Now, we're going to read the Bible together just now. We're going to read from Luke's Gospel. We're pausing our morning series on the Ten Commandments just now, and and, uh, because of Remembrance Sunday and Communion, and uh, we're going to read a very well-known story from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. If you've got one of the Pew Bibles, it's page 1048, 49. It's the parable of the lost sheep. John's going to be looking at this with us in a moment or two. So Luke chapter 15 from verse 1, page 1048. Down at the bottom of the page if you've got a pew Bible. We hear God's word. Now, the tax collectors and sinners... We're all gathering round to hear him. That's Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Amen. We trust that God will help us understand his word today. Good morning, everyone. It's great that we can come together here this morning. And as we come, if you can open your Bible or the Pew Bible with me to Luke chapter 15, that'll be great as we make our way through this passage this morning, this uh, simple passage, a familiar passage to us. But uh, I believe as we come to the Lord's table here this morning, that it is something really particular to tell us and much that we can learn from it. So Luke chapter 15 and 1 through 7 here this morning. Our title for this morning's sermon is really simple. It is, if you know Jesus, you will love Jesus. And if you know and love Jesus, then you will live for Jesus. So knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, and living for Jesus. So as we come to it here this morning, hands up anyone who has ever been lost as a little one in a supermarket, or if you've ever lost a little one in a supermarket. Let's see. Hands, there's a few hands going up. Yeah, okay. So we've had that experience where we lose a little one, or perhaps we are the little one. And hands up, out of interest, anyone who has ever had to make a, an announcement on the PA system, anyone ever had to, a few, few hands going up? Yeah, that embarrassing moment where someone's child has to come to the front desk, or the parent has to come to the front desk and, and lift their child. Well, growing up, I often got lost. Mum, I'd have been out shopping with mum, and I would have been looking at something, and, or else I would have wandered off, and the next thing, you're lost. Maybe you're in Tesco's or Asda, or you're out somewhere, and you get lost, and the fear descends on you, especially if you're a little one, fear descends. Well, growing up, my mom was a heavy smoker, which is a, a really bad thing, of course, right? But it was a blessing in this case, right? Because mom had a really distinctive cough, and you could hear her from three or four aisles away, so all mom had to do was cough, and I could find my way back to her. But in that moment, in that moment, a parent panics. And why does a parent panic? A parent panics because they love their child. And the child knows that they are loved by their parents. 
that their parents will find them. They will try and find them again. And, and we understand that, that the parent wants to do life with the child. They want to journey with the child. They want to gr- watch the child grow up and, and become like them and mature in their ways. And yet often whenever we think of our heavenly father, we don't think of him like that. We know this of our earthly parents, that our earthly parents love us, that they're passionate about us, that they want to find us. But whenever we think of our, of our heavenly father, we think of him very differently. Often I think that we imagine our heavenly father as a, an angry schoolmaster. I, I grew up in Clowna Junior High, and Mr. Dixon was an absolute gentleman. He was a great principal, but he was scurry. If you were in assembly and Mr. Dixon happened to peer over his glasses and pause, you were very frightened, all right? And, and that's what I think we often think of God like. So we go into the room with our heavenly father, who is in our minds the principal of the school, and he has our report before us, and, and he's, he's going down our report, and he's taking a red pen, and he's marking an axe, and an axe at this, and an axe at that, and he's shaking his head here and there. And he gets to the very bottom of our report, and he writes on it, try harder. Big red pen, try harder with exclamation marks after. And that is not our God. Our God is not like that. Our God does not say try harder. That's not the gospel. The gospel is see Jesus clearer. And as we come to this passage this morning, it's crucial that we look at Luke chapter 15. Why? Because Luke chapter 15 is one of the most precious chapters, I think, in all of Scripture. Because here we get to see what our God is like. He's not hidden from us, but He reveals Himself to us. Jesus here, His Son, exact imprint of the Father, here here He comes, and He tells us what our God is like, and He shows us what our God is like. And this morning, if, if we as disciples here in this church, that's what we say we are, we are disciples. Well, if we are going to survive on the road of discipleship, then we must learn how are we going to delight in our God? Because if we don't, we're going to end up dead. So as disciples, we've got to learn how do we delight in God, otherwise we'll end up dead on this journey. So our first point, Luke chapter 15, point number one, knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus. The Northern Irish way of talking about someone often goes like this. Do you know your man up the road? No, I don't know him, but I've heard about him. <laughs> what did you hear about him? Well, I heard he was this and that and the other. Now, now don't quote me on that because I've never actually met the man, but that's what I heard. Right? And that's how we often relate to our God. We don't actually know him. We think we know him. We hear people talking about him. We maybe hear someone in church talking about him week after week, but do we actually know him as disciples? Do we know him? Have we met with him? You see, our God here in Luke chapter 15 tells us what he is like. Look at it, first one. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Jesus here, everybody flocking to hear him. They want to hear him. And then the Pharisees in verse 2 and the teachers, they, they start to grumble. Why do they grumble? This man welcomes sinners. He welcomes sinners. Other translations will talk about how Jesus receives sinners and he eats with them. What is our God like? He's a God who loves us even in the midst of our brokenness. And Nigel read out that beautiful call to worship this morning. 
that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what our background has been, no matter what we have done, Jesus here, he, he eats with sinners. He welcomes sinners. He receives sinners. Isn't, isn't that good news for us here this morning as we gather here in this place? We want to thank God that these words are in Scripture, that Jesus came and he received sinners just like us, that he didn't push us away from himself. And as we sit before the Lord's table, that's a, a visible sign for us that he receives sinners Here Jesus receives sinners and he eats with them. So our God is a God who wants to be in relationship with us. The very first words that God spoke in Genesis 3 verse 9 to man, what were they? Where are you? You see, in the midst of sin, the very first sin, God didn't come into the garden and he didn't start to to give off to man but he started by asking, where are you? And that wasn't a roar. It wasn't a shout. It was a tender, where are you? Where are you? Come, I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me. I want to be a God that is close to you. I want to be a God of proximity. Why? Because I'm deeply passionate about you. I'm passionate about the broken and about the lost. God didn't turn his back on the people in the garden, Adam and Eve, and he could have. But in that moment, he said, where are you? And here we see Jesus doing exactly the same. Sinners received in verse 2, welcomed in. He's eating with them. He's getting to know them. He's, he's meeting them where they're at. He's being relational. He's drawn close to them. He's not judging them from afar, but he's, he's saying, let's, let's spend some time together. Didn't have any Chinese back in Jesus' day, but Chinese or pizza is the men's meeting they're going to have. Food, right? Sitting over food, getting to know one another. Jesus passionate about these people. So our God is a God of relationship. He's a God of proximity. He's one who, who loves people and wants to be for people. He's not against people. And that's really important for us here this morning that we know that, that our God is for us, that he's not against us. It's not as if Jesus stands in heaven and he has to twist the Father's arm to love us. But God the Father loves us. And we know that because he sent his only son into the world to save us, to find us, to search us out. So God is for us. And what else is he like? Well, we find out in in, in this passage that that our God is a God of sacrifice. Here, here, there's 99 sheep all in the fold. And if, if you were kind of a little bit, I don't know, not overly fussed in the one, you would say, well, I've got 99. I'm doing not too bad. I've been able to keep 99 in the pen. But what is, what is, what is the shepherd here, an image of Jesus? What, what does he do? He goes after the one. It is a sacrifice on his part. He goes out and he searches and he searches and he searches. He tries to find this one because he loves the one. And then whenever he finds it, what does he do? He puts it on his shoulders foretaste of what Jesus will do as he comes to the cross of Calvary. What will he do? He will spread his shoulders. On his shoulders, he will bear the sin of the world. He will spread it for me and for you here this morning, carrying us on his shoulders at the cross of Calvary. A God of sacrifice for us, He gathers this little sheep up, puts it on his shoulders, and he carries it home. You see, our God wants us to come home to him here this morning. 
He doesn't want us to wander away from him, to be estranged from him, to be distracted, and to be distant from him, but he wants us to come home. So much so that he sent his only son to carry us home. And God's word does exactly the same thing. It meets us in our point of sin here this morning. It convicts us, and by God's grace, it carries us back, back to the Father. So it's important that we see this, especially this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we come and enjoy what? What do we enjoy this morning? A meal. We enjoy a meal in his presence, a foretaste of what will come. So we are sinners and we are welcomed. We got to know our God. This is a little of what our God is like. And then if we know him, we also got to love him. Whenever we know Jesus, we will love Jesus. <clears throat> we, we all uh, know someone uh, and we can, we can start to warm to them, can't we? Maybe we meet them for the first time and we start to warm to them, but it takes time before you love someone. I'm going to say that for people in Lurgan, it's taken you a little bit of time to love me, a boy coming from Portadown, okay, right? We've had to get over that time and time again, all right? We've had to get over it, but it takes time to grow to love someone. You have to know them, what they're like. You have to trust them. I trust that this morning, as we, as we start to see Jesus here, as we see him a little bit clearer this morning, we get to know him, and then as we get to know him, we get to love him. So, so what's going on? This sheep here, which is an image of us, right? This sheep has got distracted. It's maybe saw a little bit of grass. In the Middle East, I imagine there's not much grass, but it sees a little bit of grass, and it, it, it runs after it. And maybe it goes this way, and the rest of the herd goes this way. And it doesn't realize that before long, it's totally lost. No one else is around it. And it's stranded. And this morning for us, how easy for, for us is it that we get distracted as Christians here? We get distracted, not with blades of grass, but we get distracted with all of the other things in this world that consume our mind. Perhaps this morning, if you're here and you're, you're not a Christian, you're not walking with Jesus, you, you wandered away from Christianity as you grew up. Why? Because God wasn't cool or because you were too busy for God or because of another half or because of friends and peers in your life. Maybe you wandered away because you were angry at God. And if you're a Christian here this morning, perhaps in the last week, how have we wandered away from God? Maybe we've wandered away from him by the things that we have been saying, the things that we have been watching. Maybe we've just grown cold in our faith. We've wandered away. Whatever it is, we want to see the character of God here this morning. That he comes after us, that he's for us, and he wants us to come back to himself. You see, <clears throat> imagine, imagine this is us, right? Imagine we're the shepherd. And imagine we have the 99 in the sheepfold. But there's this one, and it's always this one. It's always this one sheep that walks away. This is maybe the 15th or 16th time. We'll call him Wooly from the children's address. The 15th or 16th time, Wooly has wandered off. So what would, what would our reaction be to this sheep? Well, at home, there's loads of lumps of blue pipe, right? <laughs> and blue pipe, if you don't know what blue pipe's for, it's not for drainage around a farm, right? But a bit of blue pipe is so that you can lift it and then you can get an animal or a beast to do what you want it to do and tap it in the right direction. So I imagine if I put myself in this story and I'm the shepherd, what do I do? I lift a lump of blue pipe and I'm saying to myself, 
woolly, right? That woolly sheep is. So we go out and we search for it. And you search and you search and you search for it. And then eventually you find it. And you find this sheep. And what would your response be to the sheep? Well, you wouldn't do this because of uh, childbirth, or I was going to say child protection issues, because of animal safety issues, all of that. You wouldn't, but you'd be really tempted to kick the sheep all the way home, or to take the blue pipe to the sheep and beat it all the way home. But what does our God, what does our God treat the sheep like? He doesn't treat it like that. What does he do? Verse 5, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Did you notice that word, joyfully? He joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home. He doesn't take this sheep and put it into isolation. He doesn't put it in a pen separate from all the others. What does he do? He brings this sheep home. Other translations talk about how he puts the sheep on his shoulders, and he rejoices over it. He sings over it all the way home. He doesn't curse it. He doesn't slobber about it all the way home. He doesn't give off to it. See you. See where I get you home, right? He rejoices over it. Our God is a God who rejoices over us. Even whenever we wander away from him, he comes and he searches for us. And he finds us out. And he finds us through this book, through his word. It searches after us. And then it it works on our hearts. And he uses this word through friends and, and, and disciples, fellow disciples, as we talk to one another, as we speak with one another. He uses it through people who preach it. This word searching us coming out after us and bringing us back to himself. So knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, and then lastly, living for Jesus. If we're going to live for Jesus, we've got to understand that, that here we are called sheep, but Jesus in the Bible is called the lamb. He's the lamb of God, the lamb that would be sacrificed, who would shed his blood for us. The distinction between lamb and sheep And as sheep, what what do we have to do? Well, verse 7 tells us, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. See, that's the key to this all. There has to be repentance. Yes, Jesus receives sinners. Yes, he welcomes sinners. Yes, he wants to be close to sinners. He wants to be in relationship with sinners. Yes, he goes out after sinners. Yes, he will carry sinners and bring sinners home. But what is key to all is repentance, that they will repent. And that means that there's a change, a change in our lives. So this morning in Hill Street, how how do we gauge this? How do we gauge if we have been changed, if we, if we can start to know Jesus and love him, and are we really living for him? Well, we know by our affections from Monday through to Sunday, how do we actually live? What are the things going on in our hearts? What is it that we love? What is it that we talk about? What is it that we're passionate about? What do we live for? And then a test is that this passage inverts itself. So yes, we see ourselves as the sheep, But then if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to be transformed by Jesus, then we too have to become like this shepherd, that we got to go after the one. So the challenge for us here this morning is, who is the one sheep in our life? Who's that one person that has been frustrating us time and time and time again, but the one that God has placed in our life that we may go after them? 
Who is it this morning in church that isn't here, that sits around you? Who's the one person in your life that used to walk with Jesus but doesn't walk with them any longer? Who's the one person that you can go after, that you can find and then you can carry them back to Jesus, pointing them towards Jesus, come alongside them and pray for them and love them? Who's the one person in your life that you can display tenderness and mercy to? Because that's what Jesus does for us, tender and merciful. And he's unrelentless. He's, He's relentless in seeking us out. So knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, and living for Jesus here this morning, I hope that we can start to see our God a little bit clearer, what he is like, this beautiful image of who he is, and what he does for us. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus, this invitation to come and to live for him, to come and let him carry you home to our God, if you will come in repentance, it exists, it's an open invitation and this morning, what we're going to do here, we're going to celebrate together around this table. We're going to celebrate that Jesus has done this for us, that he has made an end to our sin, that he has borne our sin upon his shoulders, and then that he has picked us up, treated us tenderly, not in the way that we deserve, and that he has carried us back to the Father, back into relationship with himself. And we're going to rejoice, rejoice over his mercy. And it's grace to us that we don't deserve. I trust that that will be all of our stories here. This little simple story of a sheep, that we will see it in our lives. Do you know, it, it's, it's not just a, a simple story, but this story has great significance. Do we see what happens whenever a sinner repents? See how Jesus, in this story, that the shepherd, he calls together all his friends and all his neighbors, and he says, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Well, look at what happens in heaven. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner, over one sinner who repents. All heaven will thunder. Can we see that? All heaven will thunder as one sinner repents as they come to Jesus, as Jesus carries them back, one sinner, all heaven will shake. How great would it be this morning if one person here in Hill Street came, all heaven would shake and rejoice and thunder over one sinner who repents. Let us close in a little word of prayer here. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are not a God who hides yourself from us, but Father, you have revealed yourself to us so that we would know what you are like. We praise you for Luke chapter 15. Father, we thank you that you are a God who receives sinners, who welcomes sinners, who eats with sinners. And Father, we praise you that one day we will join you in heaven for that great wedding supper of the Lamb, and we will have a great feast with you forever. We thank you that today that we get to celebrate this in a little way, a little foretaste here of what one day it will be like. We ask that this morning that you would help us through the power of your Spirit 
to know you and to love you and to live for you, Father. We want to be like you. So give us the ability, ability to do it. Warm our hearts. We thank you for the simple image of what you have done for us, Father, through your Son, the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Father, we rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen.